In today's episode, you will learn about an incredible group of islands and you will discover what there is to do there and what to see. The islands are rich with amazing beaches, beautiful cities, and charming old towns. It is one of the best surfing destinations in the world, if you are into surfing, of course, and the people there are very friendly. But first, let me tell you a story. I heard about this place for the first time back in 2013 when I met Pep while I was hiking the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. Pep was originally from there, and I had never heard about that place before. Pep told me stories of these amazing volcanic mountains in the middle of the ocean. At that time, I was stoked about hiking high and formidable mountains and had just finished hiking through the Pyrenees Mountains in northern Spain. I told myself that after I finished the Camino, I would head over there, which didn't happen in the end, and for a good reason, my plans just changed, and I met some cool people and traveled with them to Portugal instead. Fast forward 10 years, and I found myself in, you guessed it, the Canary Islands. The Canary Islands are known as a holiday destination, or as I like to call it, a beck and belly destination. Most visitors there are British tourists who crave an all-inclusive vacation in man-made tourist cities. But I must say that I was very pleasantly surprised by my visit there. First of all, as a surfer, the Canary Islands have some of the best surfing spots I have ever been to. And there are also good diving spots to some degree. It has rich and unique fauna and high mountains to climb. And, after all, it's in Europe, kind of. So, welcome to episode number 9 of The Traveling Podcast. The podcast that inspires you to travel and learn about the world. And in today's episode, we are selling sail to the Canary Islands. It's going to be awesome. So, where are the Canary Islands? The Canary Islands are an archipelago of seven main volcanic islands in the Atlantic Ocean, with about a hundred smaller uninhabited islands and islets. These islands started as individual underwater volcanoes on the ocean floor. Over time, each volcano, constructed by the eruption of multiply lava flows, gradually became an island. The oldest islands in the region have been around for 20 to 30 million years. The Canary Islands are located about 100 kilometers or 60 miles from Morocco's shore, and there are about 2.2 million people living there. The islands are characterized by high volcanic mountains in the middle of them, fabulous beaches and unique flora all around them. Even though it is west of the African continent, the islands have been Spanish since the 15th century, although the Spaniards were not the first Europeans to arrive to the islands. There are various opinions regarding the first outsiders to discover the islands, distinct from the indigenous group of people called Guanches, a descendant of Berber people. That means people who originated from Morocco and were living in the islands for thousands of years. By the way, just a fun fact, the word barbaric comes from the name the Greeks gave to these people. They said that when they spoke, it sounded like bar, 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 bar. And they called people of North Africa who didn't speak Greek barbaric or barbar. Anyway, 
Back to the story, the Guanches lived there way before the arrival of the Spaniards. Some say the Phoenicians, whom I mentioned in the episode about the Sinai Peninsula, were the first to discover the islands and settle there in order to secure their trade routes alongside Northwest Africa. Some say it was the Greeks, and some say it was the Romans. The name Canary Islands was given by the Roman historian Pliny the Elder, a fascinating historical figure by himself in his book Naturalis Historia, which means natural history in Latin. And I quote from the book, Canaria, so-called from the multitude of dogs, canes of great size. Yeah, Canary, cane. Even though there were not any dogs there at that time. In the Middle Ages, the Europeans started to rediscover the islands with expeditions from Genova in Italy and later on from Portugal. But ultimately, it was the crown of Castile, part of what later became Spain, that played a crucial role in the Canary Islands history. In the late 15th century, Castilian forces, under the command of Alonso Fernandez de Lugo, initiated the conquest of the islands completing the process almost a century later. And by completing the process, I mean fighting and eliminating the local indigenous people of the Guanche. The Canary Islands became an important stopover point for European ships heading to the Americas, and their strategic location made them a crossroad of cultures and trade during the age of exploration. So, like I said before, there are seven main islands, starting from the biggest to the smallest. Tenerife, the largest and most populous island. It is known for its diverse landscapes and Spain's highest peak, Mount Teide, which I will explain about later. Fuerteventura, the second largest island, characterized by its extensive sandy beaches, sand dunes, and strong winds. Hence the name, Fuerteventura means strong wind. Gran Canaria, the third largest island, featuring a variety of landscapes from beaches to mountains and home to the bustling city of Las Palmas de Gran Canaria. Lanzarote, the fourth largest island, known for its unique volcanic landscapes and architecture shaped by the artist Cesar Manrique. La Palma is often called La Isla Bonita, the beautiful island in Spanish, and is known for its lush landscapes and the Caldera de Taburiente Natural Park. The sixth island is called La Gomera. It's a smaller island characterized by its deep ravines, caves, and unique terraced landscapes. And of course, the hippie communities there. The seventh is the smallest and is called El Hierro. And it's also the westernmost island. It's known for its volcanic activity and it's considered as a UNESCO global geopark because of that. There are two international airports in the Canaries. One is in Gran Canaria, and the other is in Tenerife. Most people spend their time on one of these islands, and upon your arrival, you can immediately spot the back-and-belly tourists catching shuttles to the southern parts of either islands in order to get to resort and hotel areas. If that's your thing, you are more than welcome. You can spend your vacation in one of these places. There are many all-inclusive hotels there. Otherwise, you can wander around the islands and catch a ferry to reach any of the other islands. I spent two weeks on the islands of Tenerife and Gran Canaria, but I met a lot of travelers and locals from all of the other islands. As a general rule of thumb, if you plan on traveling around the islands without heading to the mountains, you can rely on public transportation. 
However, I recommend renting a car if you want to explore the mountainous regions and get to the off-beaten places. The roads in the mountains can be pretty narrow and nerve-wracking in some places. There are many cute Spanish little towns in the mountains where you can stop along the way. Here's a helpful tip. It's best to rent a car with a sturdy engine. Additionally, I suggest renting an automatic car if you are uncomfortable with manual transmission. I started my trip to the Canaries in the city of Las Palmas in Gran Canaria. I really love that place. It's not the prettiest city, in my opinion, but it has a solid local atmosphere. I met some cool locals there who gave me an excellent advice and showed me around. I even got to a local music festival, which was cool. I would say there are two main attraction centers in Las Palmas, the historical part of Vigete and Triena, and they are next to each other. Both of them have some historical buildings, good restaurants, etc. The other area is called Playa de, de las Canteras, and that's the beach area. And it has most of the nightlife. You can rent surfboard there. You can go on uh, surf lessons, and it has the beach, of course. The northern coastline of the island is breathtaking and has a dramatic landscape. The white town of Agaete is very picturesque, and there is also a port there where you can take a ferry to Tenerife. In the center of the island, you have the central natural park, Pico de las Nieves, with one of the most famous and popular landmarks, Rocco Nublo, a huge rock standing at the heart of the volcanic crater. All of that area is covered by canary pine trees, an endemic pine tree to the canaries. There are many hiking trails and many bed and breakfast types of accommodation there. I would recommend staying at a place called Finca La Isa. It's a place for hikers and backpackers, but also has private rooms. It's in the middle of nowhere, and you can meet a lot of travelers from all over the world there. Also, there is a very nice water reservoir called Presa de las Niñas, which is very nice to stop by. At the southern part of the island, you can find the Maspalomas Dune Nature Reserve, a vast dune area that looks like the Sahara. It is not far from the resort area, generally known as Playa del Inglés, where you can see the common burnt-skinned British tourists. Bear in mind, that area is very crowded, and so are the dunes. In the eastern part of the island, there is a beautiful and secluded beach called Playa de Guigui. And if you want to get there, you will have to hike for about four hours each way, or take a boat from Puerto de Mugan, or other nearby ports. There are more places to visit on the island, but that's roughly what I did. And I really enjoyed my time. People are super friendly in the islands, and you should definitely try to surf while you are there. Moving on to the most famous and visited island in the archipelago, Tenerife. Tenerife is a gorgeous island that is generally separated into two areas. The northern part of the island and, well, you guessed it, the southern part. What is so fascinating about the islands, and Tenerife in particular, is that the topography and climate change dramatically due to the shape of the volcanic mountains. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the islands enjoy a subtropical climate, but each island has its own subclimate. So, for instance, Tenerife has a huge volcanic mountain at the center of it, the famous Mount Teide, the highest mountain in all of Spain, elevating up to 3,700 meters above the sea level. 
The terrain of the island change from place to place. Even though there isn't much rainfall in the islands, the northern face of Tenerife enjoys lush and diverse vegetation from laurel forests and tons of types of cacti and succulent plants like the dragon tree and the cardons cacti. Most of the currents, the winds and the humidity comes from the north and clash on the northern face of Teide and the other mountains, which creates good conditions for the plants to thrive. The southern face, however, and the southern part of the island are more of a desert land, and the top of Teide has no vegetation at all. It looks like the moon, in a way. You will most likely start your visit at Santa Cruz de Tenerife, the island's largest city. It is, without a doubt, one of the most beautiful cities I have been to in Spain. And that says a lot. You'll find this amazing mix of architecture there, like the 16th century Iglesia de la Concepcion, or the slick modern lines of the Auditorio de Tenerife, which looks like the Sydney Opera House, and is a creation by the renowned architect Santiago Calatrava. It's like walking through history and the future all at once. There are also beautiful parks there, like the Park Garcia San Baria, which has a lot of statues and different plants. The city has many fascinating museums to offer, like the TEA Museum of the Arts. There are two main hotspots for activities in the city, the city center in the harbor area, and La Laguna, a UNESCO World Heritage Site and the first European settlement in Tenerife and its first capital. And therefore, that's the historical part with lots of landmarks and monuments and so on. There is an awesome beach about 20 minutes drive from the harbor. You can take a bus there and it's called Playa de las Terrestitas, which is considered one of the best beaches in Europe. You're welcome. After your visit there, you will probably want to explore the rest of the island. Good decision, buddy. I personally enjoy the north part of the island and you can decide whether to start your journey from the north and finish in the south or vice versa. It's pretty much straightforward to get around the island with public transportation and you can do it on your own way. In the north, there are amazing forests and hikes, which is more of a lush area. I hiked in the center of that area in a place called Las Hiedras and walked all the way to a small surf town called Bahamar. The waves there are huge and are suitable for experienced surfers. But in general, that area is full of bays and beautiful coves. Uh, I highly recommend going swimming in one of the many local Piscina Natural. Those are natural pools in the rocks in front of the ocean. Most of the people who go there are locals. You will notice a lot of banana plantations all around this part of the island. That's something worth mentioning. Commercial banana cultivation started around the 1880s, with the export of bananas becoming a major economic activity for the region. And even today, bananas continues to be an essential agricultural product in the Canary Islands. If someone would ask me what I think the economy of the Canaries is built on, I would say tourists and bananas. From there, you can go and visit another lovely town called Puerto de la Cruz. It's also a charming place with beautiful beaches all around it, and it has an historical center. There is good surfing there as well. If you want to visit the summit of Mount Teide, you can grab a cable car from the cable car station called Telefrico del Teide, and it gets to about two-thirds of the way to the top. Then you need to hike up. If you want to hike up, you must obtain a permit in advance, 
And I forgot to mention that if you are into camping, camper vanning, uh, sleeping outside, you must obtain a permit in advance, which you can do in every city hall on each island. It's a bit of a process, but the authorities in the islands are very keen on nature preservation, and also, because of the dry climate, they are very afraid of stupid hikers starting wildfires, just for you to know. The southern part of the island is, like I said, the home of the common red-skinned British tourists. And the most famous place there is called Playa de las Americas, which is a man-made city for tourism. There is a lot of partying there and restaurants and clubs and all of that. It's nice to explore, but I won't make it the center of my trip there. Anyway, if you decide to go there, try to hang out around the Calle Mexico area where all of the surfers hang out, and it's the only British-free area of the city. There are a bunch of known nudist beaches around there. I know locals from there don't want it to be super exposed to the masses, so just ask for the local cool nudist beach when you are there, if that's your thing, of course. Another thing that is worth mentioning is the famous Siam Water Park. It's a huge water park that some consider one of the best water parks in the world. You can spend the whole day there, and I think it's fun. So I have yet to go to the following islands, but I am sure I will visit them in the future. I met a lot of people who have been traveling to them, and also some who are living there, and that's what I know in general. The island of La Gomera is famous for its off-the-beaten-path destinations, chill and hippie vibes. On this 370 square kilometer island, only about 22,000 people live. It has lush rural forests and beautiful beaches. There are hippie communities there that offer yoga retreats and stuff like that. If the masses of tourists flock to Tenerife and Gran Canaria, La Gomera is quite the opposite. There are a lot of hiking and outdoor activities there, and I think one of the interesting things there is the local whistling language called Silbo Gomera, which is most likely a relic from the time of the Guanches, the local indigenous people who used to roam this island. People communicate with series of different whistling. I think that's pretty neat. Fuerteventura, the second largest island of the archipelago, is famous for its surf spots. And when I say surf, I mean all the types of surf. Wave surfing, kite surfing, windsurfing, you name it. When I was in the mountains of Gran Canaria, I met two cool French Canadians who traveled all the way from Canada to Fuerteventura for kite surfing. Imagine that. It is also a place where they, they hold international surf tournaments each year. By the way, during my time there, I met a lot of other travelers, but I met only three travelers from North America. For some reason, the Canary Islands are, is still not a popular travel destination among Americans, which surprised me. Most people don't consider it a worthy travel destination when the word Spain comes to mind. Most people will think of Barcelona or maybe Madrid, and that's it, which is a shame. I've traveled to many places in Spain, and I can say that every place is different and unique by its own. If you are into outdoor activities, beautiful beaches, friendly people, and good surfing, go to the Canary Islands. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, give my podcast a 5-star review and share it with someone you know who doesn't know where to travel next. And it might help them. So, I am Motek, and keep on traveling. See you in the next episode.